0: that's eight hundred eight eight zero seventy one sixty seven. Paid for by Airtime Media.
1: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
2: What's going on? Another mu not a, not a Monday, another morning edition. That's the only edition of titillating sports. Rick, uh, I don't know where he went. He's connected, but uh, can't hear him. So I'm gonna hop on the microphone just as during this little open, as Rick uh, probably just needs to reset his headset or something like that. Uh, yeah. So hopefully we'll get Rick back on because we have a, a nice little show set for you in about. Uh, minutes we'll have Christopher Kane in for and and Karen Lyle for Sail Sport Talk Uh, they'll be around for two segments it'll be a nice little chunk of sailing talk we always uh, like having Karen and Christopher on and then in about an hour and a half Hal Linden I I don't remember who he is it's very before my time but he's got a new uh, Christmas movie a Country Christmas Carol on air. So we'll, we'll talk to him about that. I'm sure Rick uh, knows a lot about him. I don't, but oh well. So we've got that coming up. Uh, wherever you might be listening, we'd like to welcome you in. American Forces Radio Network, uh, Around the World, Sirius. We, we're everywhere. It, it's hard to find a place that we're not at this point. That's just the reality of it. So we got some sports talk. Hopefully Rick will be back. We'll have his microphone uh all up and good to go. Uh, and then we'll talk some sports. If you want to go, call in 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Dominic Jimenez, Rick Tittle back, the ladies' Sports.
3: The number one gift in this stressful year, relaxation from Homedics, now at up to 30% off. Soothing stress for over 35 years, Homedics is the top home massage products brand with gifts for every aching muscle on your list. With select items up to 30% off and free shipping on orders over $50, holiday supplies won't last. Shop now at H-O-M-E-D-I-C-S dot com. The perfectly relaxing, perfectly giftable gift
4: is at Homedics.com and major retailers everywhere. Mary's Bistro delivery business is bustling and ready to burst.
5: Orders 34, 35, and 36
1: are up. Who's handling these? Hello, Mary's Bistro, now delivering.
4: It's time to hire.
1: I need indeed.
4: Indeed, you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit indeed.com credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply.
7: And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
0: Titillating sports
8: with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is he so handsome. He's a genius.
9: <laughs> All right. Thank you. And uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle uh, on my cell phone. Uh, my shellfish, my cell phone at my uh, house is—I uh, don't know what's going on—that uh, we can't get this hooked up. <clears throat> I'm in my task manager, closing everything out. Everything looks looks exactly the same to me, as it always does. But um, we do have Salesport talk uh, coming up in the uh, next segment, and we'll we'll try and uh, fix that in it. But something is definitely going on with the uh, Skype <clears throat> over here. All right, but it's a good time to bring you in and get you heard, whatever you might happen to be doing. Uh, Sports-wise, this is why we're all here. Let's talk about the game last night. Um, What game? I know, that happens sometimes. 20 years ago, we would just say, oh, yeah, Monday Night Football, but now there's a lot of, even in the pandemic times, you're like, what game? Well, it was a very important game. In uh, the AFC for the Baltimore Ravens. The Cleveland Browns could have won their 10th game and they could have won at home and they could have basically punched their ticket to the postseason which is not a uh, unremarkable thing for that franchise because it would be uh, uh, a pretty storied story to say we're finally back in the postseason and you know some number one overall picks and Mayfield and Garrett and we're, we put it together. We drafted the right guys. We have a good coach, all that stuff. <clears throat> and you would be able to point at them and say, "This is this is a team on the rise." Um, if you're a team like my Raiders, right, you wanted the Baltimore Ravens to lose that game so that they would have the same record as the Raiders, right, seven and six. By the way. Um, as hopeless as it seems, from my I always got to say it like that, is the fact that if Baltimore loses one more game and the Raiders win out, if they win their last three, then the Raiders go to the playoffs. But I almost want to laugh when I say if the Raiders win their next three, like it's not that big a deal when they've lost three out of four and they should have lost four out of four, were it not for a stupid blitz at the end of a game in New York. So, I'm just telling you if you want a little Lloyd Christmas there. But um, a frenetic, <clears throat> one of the craziest fourth quarters you're ever going to see with the team sharing 35 points scored. The Browns scored 22. The Ravens scored 13. And it was one of those games where you think, okay, it's over. Oh, wait, no, now it's over. Oh, now it's over. They kept, every time they're getting uh, these clutch plays or scores, You'd look at the clock, and you'd see, well, there's more than two minutes left, and this team's got three timeouts. But Lamar Jackson did a little Willis read. He came back from the locker room, and um, he saved the game on the very last play after McSorley uh, got a little banged up, <clears throat> hyperextending his right knee. And so uh, Jackson had cramps. That's the type of thing where you might remember Mike Francesa uh, jumping on Giancarlo Stanton a few years ago in the playoffs because uh, he had a uh, little bit of a cramp in his calf. And he's like, this is the playoffs. You're making too much money. I can tell you, and I was never a professional athlete, but you probably know this yourself, um, if your legs don't work, if they're cramped, you're not much use. To whatever sport you're playing, even if it's high line. But anyway, he comes back in, and he throws a Jackson comes in. He throws a 44-yard touchdown pass to Marquise Brown, and then he set up Justin Tucker's 55-yard field goal with two seconds left. And it was just a game dripping with playoff intensity, and there was just endless dramatic twists, and none bigger than Jackson running onto the field on a fourth and ball game play. You know, um, and I'm sure they'd probably rather have Vincent than Trace McSorley. No, I'm sure there's probably the, I just use Francesca because he was the guy that had a dig at Stanton. But I'm sure a lot of people were thinking that if you can play, then why aren't you playing? You know, and this is a guy who just missed a game with COVID-19. But he said he was getting fluids in the locker room and he was watching the game on TV when he saw McSorley get hurt. Quote is: I'm still stretching, and I'm like, we got to go out there. It was fourth down. My guys were making great catches, and we came out of the victory. As soon as I saw him go down, I came out of the locker. Anyway. Well, Jackson hit Brown for the TD, and then they got the ball back with a minute four left, and they had seven seconds on the clock, and it looked like they could go ahead and try a field goal. But with Tucker, who basically is going to go to I don't know if he's going to go to the Hall of Fame because they don't like taking kickers there. But if they did have a kickers Hall of Fame, <clears throat> and if they did want to let them in, you know, the venetaries of the world, the Steneroos, um, he's getting in on that accuracy. But that guy's so good. I mean, this is a guy who made 70 straight field goals inside 40 yards before missing last week. And that was a Joe Buck jinx. No offense to Joe Buck. Any broadcaster said, so he doesn't miss, he just does miss, he missed. Yeah. Tucker said, quote, it's definitely good that we made that kick given everything this team is going through right now. It keeps us in the playoff picture. We definitely needed to have this one. What the world saw in that football was a Raven, Raven, Ravens team playing with guts. So you can't really say it's a gut punch for the Browns. They're nine and four. But they were down by 14. And when Jackson went out, they started a rally. And they still had one last chance after Tucker's kick, but it was this ridiculous series of uh, laterals that ended up in a safety. And as soon as that happened, I thought all I'm gonna see now is these bad beats, as the gamblers would say, that was a bad beat. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find one more ridiculous than that. And the, it was going to be a push because the Ravens, uh, the line was uh, three. So as I said, it was going to be a push, um, but the guy running backwards and going all the way into the end zone, (laughs) that brought it up to a margin of five points. That means the Baltimore Ravens did cover the spread, and the Cleveland backers no longer had the luxury the tie, the push, and so that's, <laughs> if you want to get mad at the Cleveland Browns, get mad in there, but once again, <clears throat> I have zero sympathy for, and I don't mean to be crass, but I just have zero sympathy for people who gamble uh, more on sports than it's worth your entertainment. You know, it's, it's sort of the thing, like, if you go out to dinner, right you go out to dinner and you think i'm gonna go gamble i'm gonna watch a show whatever well how much money are you gonna to spend tonight you uh ah, it's a fun night out you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna spend 300 bucks you know we're gonna have a hundred dollar dinner and then we're gonna go play some cards or craps play some slots and at the end of the night i'm down 300 well that was our evening if you're betting things whereas you know it's almost life or death then you know so if you lost a couple hundred, I feel bad for you, but you know, like I said, it's it's not the type of thing where you can go ahead and start despising this guy or that guy. You should never bet on human beings. We're flawed. You who bet, you're flawed. That's why if I ever bet it, it's on like a roulette wheel, even though that's rigged. Fake news. That's <laughs> that's rigged too. It's magnetic, I tell you. But at least there's no person dropping a football or running through the back of an sound for a, a safety for no reason. But can you get a safety on that play? It's like there's no way you get it. All right, we'll talk a little sailing on the other side, hopefully through Skype. I'm come on, down.
0: That's 800-403-5912.
11: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedars-Sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California
12: All right, thank you for
9: that, and welcome back to the show. I'm still trying to get things figured out over here, but uh, the the miracle of the cell phone, uh, able to uh, host this show in quotes. It is a Tuesday. It is our first hour, and we always bring in the person who co-hosts the segment with me from SalesSportsTalk.com. It's Karen Lyle. Karen, how are you today?
13: I'm doing great. Um, How are you doing, Rick?
9: Not too shabby. And, of course, our uh, other buddy, Christopher Kane, who is our America's Cup aficionado, is with us. And, Christopher, uh, as we get ready for the America's Cup down in New Zealand coming up in the spring, we finally got to see a little bit of, a, I guess in other sports we would say, a, a preseason look as these boats were out there going head-to-head.
14: Huh? Yeah, we we finally got a little bit of scrimmaging ahead of the uh, the Christmas Cup, which you can Consider the the, the preseason and, uh, you know, it's always interesting in these races because you have to factor in the win conditions and you also have to factor in whether the teams are really going full out or whether they're sandbagging, which America's Cup teams are notorious for. But, you know, the cool thing about this, as we've spoken about before, is in the America's Cup, the the defender, the Kiwis— uh, they basically just sit there and wait for the challengers to fight it out to decide who's going to challenge them for the America's Cup. So this is the one time this week that we are going to see the Kiwis on the water with all the def- challenging boats before the actual America's Cup. They're basically going to go dark for the next couple of months. So this is the one chance for us to try and uh, make our ridiculous assumptions based on a paucity of data and come to spectacular conclusions based on that. Um so yeah, it, it was an interesting time watching it, and and you know some suspicions that Karen and I have had uh, seem to be coming true.
13: Well, yeah, I've I've been spending all this time actually here in America watching the the races through the camera lens of the videographers on the water on the press boats. But I hope to be there actually um, at some point. That would be that would be we're, we're waiting to see if that can happen. Um, you know, I, I I was thinking that for our listeners who are. Maybe not um, as experienced in all the sailing terminology. Maybe at the beginning of this, we could just give them some some ways of looking at this race. Because uh, you know, for example, just to, to talk about the, the different issues, like for example, the wind. You know, how does how does someone tell by looking at a video which way the wind is coming from?
14: Yeah, so so let's start really basic. Um, so let, let's start with the first thing. What is a boat? A boat is a hole in the water you pour money into. Um, now <laughs> <laughs> now th- these America's Cup boats, they're really interesting in that there's there's three different things happening. So for uh, non sailors, they'll look at, at the sail and go, okay, so the sail powers the boat, and and it's like an airplane wing. It's got to be angled a certain way to get the lift, and that lift is what drives the boat forward. All right, that's cool. And in a normal boat, the hull uh, does two things. It, It obviously gives you buoyancy, and it also has a keel, which counteracts the force of the sails, which would, of course, want to throw the boat flat on its side. These boats have a third spin, which is foils. So instead of a normal keel, which is just a vertical piece of metal, they actually have little airplane wings on either side of the boat, and those lift the boat out of the water. So now you don't have that big hole in the water, you just have these little foils underwater. So these boats go dramatically faster. I mean, when I'm racing in the bay, you're doing, you know, nine, ten, ooh, eleven knots. Um in these boats, you're doing thirty, thirty-five, forty knots. So the speed is is rather dramatic and that its impacts for the for the course and how these boats get around. And as we've spoken about in in previous uh, broadcasts, sailboats can't sail directly into the wind. They have to be at an angle to the wind to get that sail to to basically lift and give them the drive going forward. So they go back and forth towards the actual mark. And one of the things that we look at uh, when we're looking at these boats practice is how smooth are those turns when they're going back and forth. And we definitely saw And and to point out, these were lighter wind conditions, so harder to get those boats up on the foils uh, but the British boat definitely had issues staying on their foils they had issues in the lighter wind um, Karen and I have had concerns about this boat since the day came out of the shed and I am still concerned after seeing uh, some of the performance on the water this week now again how much is that sandbagging who knows but the British really took a dramatically different direction on the design of their boat and and i've i've had my issues and i've had my concerns about this long piece of hole that's underneath the boat and you know we're going to see what's going to happen and, and as much as people are, are complaining about the wind uh karen and i i don't know if folks remember a couple months back but we actually did some research on the weather conditions and if you look at the america's cup in march it is lighter winds in march So, uh, I think it's... It's been,
13: what, 8 to 10 knots, I think, in some of these practices, and and just a couple knots difference um, can make a huge difference as to whether they're able to lift out of the water and how fast, and that really is the game. It's how fast you get from the hull being in the water to getting out of the water and how you take those turns.
14: Yeah, absolutely. And a foiling boat, it is all about staying on the foils. The second you drop off those foils, you go dead in the water. And that is, that is the, the downside to all this fabulous speed we're getting now with these new foiling boats is when they're not on the foils, they do not move through the water well. So it is all about staying on the foils, staying on the foils through the turns and, and being able to hold those foils through different wind conditions. And there's no question that uh, if you look at Prada and if you look at the Kiwis, uh, those boats have definitely been optimized for lighter winds, which is the right thing to do when that's going to be the wind conditions in March. you still got to get through the Challenger Finals for Prada and American Magic, but the Kiwis don't have to challenge. They can sit there and optimize their boat for the wind conditions during the Cup, and they just sit there and wait.
3: Christopher,
9: it's interesting. There's no other sport where you go where you're going to be competing basically a year in advance. Why do they need... So much time to basically live there uh, for so, so many months before the competition.
14: Yeah, it's about practice. And and the one thing about the America's Cup is is it didn't used to be quite such a run-up, but we, we seem to have fallen in love with doing a new, brand new type of boat every single time we do the America's Cup. And because of that, the designers, the sailmakers, the whole manufacturers, they have to start from square one every single time. So this boat that we're going to see in the America's Cup is a brand – not a brand-new design for the America's Cup. It's a brand-new design, period, that has never been seen before. So you need a lot of time on the water to optimize, and and I think that's, that's one of the issues is you have to optimize the shape of the hull with the foils, with the sails. There's a lot of moving pieces in a competitive America's Cup sailboat, and those have to all work harmoniously and, you know, personally – I think that's what's happening with the British right now. I think they've got a disconnect in their design team. It's either a disconnect between the foils and the hull, or it's a disconnect between how they designed the boat and thought it would be sail and how the crew is actually sailing it. Uh, but there's definitely a disconnect. And I think that that's one of the things that happen when you have a brand new boat and people are all having to figure this out on the fly.
13: Well, American American Magic is doing quite well out there. It seems like they're holding their own with the the, the Kiwis and um, in the
14: oh, looks like we just lost Karen. Uh, yeah, she was talking about the optimization for American Magic. It, it definitely American Magic and Prada as challengers. They definitely are optimizing their boat for a lighter wind condition. So I think that is a great thing. Uh, I think they're looking forward to the actual America's Cup and what those wind conditions are going to be. If you look at at the volume sort of where the, the biggest parts of the hull are, uh, for both Prada and American Magic, most of the volume is, is forward in the boat. And I think that's helping them get out of the water faster. The British boat has volume sort of consistently. And I think that's more volume they're having to get out of the water. And I also think it's making a problem for them in the lighter wind conditions. So that is something we're definitely going to have to look at. Now, mind you, if you can't get through the Challenger Series with heavier wind, it it doesn't matter whether you optimize your boat for the America's Cup because you're never going to get there. So, again, the America's Cup is interesting. If you, If you design a Formula One car or if you design a NASCAR, you know what the conditions are. You know the environment it has to race in. But with the America's Cup, you're having to design a boat that is going to have to get through a Challenger Series with more wind, but also be able to race successfully in the actual America's Cup with potentially less wind. So you need a lot of flexibility in that boat to be able to survive the Challenger Series to even have a chance at racing in the actual America's Cup itself.
13: One of the things that's quite suspenseful, because we don't actually know um, which team? Well, we don't know which challenger is going to be racing the defender for the final game. So these games that are happening, I guess tomorrow uh, at 9 p.m. in um, New York time um, is when, because the the Kiwis are a day ahead of us, right? Is when we're going to start seeing the races and um, and there's people. Well, I'm going to have um, information at salesporttalk.com so that people can know how to get um, the the information to see the races while they're happening. But we don't know. So this this time now is really where we get to see all four of the teams competing against each other.
14: Yep, and, and we get to see the conditions. And they uh, there's multiple race courses for this year's America's Cup, which, which they need that flexibility again for wind conditions. If there's light winds, they can use one of the race courses closer to the ocean, try and capture some more wind. Um, and we were definitely, no, we were definitely seeing them. Um, you know, try and work through these wind conditions. I, I did not envy the race committee. Uh, the and wind, I guess
13: we're going to go into we're going to go into a little break here with, uh, and we'll be coming back to the show um, in just a. Excellent. Uh, this is a Sales
14: Sports Talk on Sports Byline USA. I
5: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk. Terry Hutchinson, skipper and executive director of the New York Yacht Club, American Magic, is calling in today. This is Terry's fifth time in a Career America's Cup campaign. Terry, it is an honor to have you with us. Thank you so much for calling in. Thanks, Karen. Do a you find foot with monohull. the 75-foot monohull that there are also potentials for injuries when it comes out of the foiling maneuver?
12: Uh, you know, touch wood, we've been pretty fortunate. I, You know, no... Uh, the foiling boat is without risk. You know, this is a 7,600-kilo, 75-foot boat. And so uh, if you come splashing down, um, where you, you know, where you run the risk, I guess, is, you know, just the water hitting you and, and dragging you back in the boat. But the sailors are pretty low in the cockpits of both boats. And so you really don't, you don't necessarily get the uh, true appreciation of speed because you're so low in the boat grinding. It's a much different beast than the catamarans that you saw in San Francisco Bay.
15: Well, we
5: were talking about cavitation and how it's difficult to to pass the 50-knot feed barrier. Yours is a bigger boat, so it can potentially go much faster. How does cavitation play a role in that? And can you explain a little bit of cavitation for the the lay public, the sports fan who doesn't know that that yet?
12: That's a great question. The big trick for winning this America's Cup is creating a foil that is exceptionally fast in a straight line, very maneuverable, and allows the boat to pop up out of the water at low boat speeds. The easier it is for the boat to pop out of the water, and the slower it is at high speed, the faster it'll run into that cavitation point.
5: Well, that's going to make so, us all suspenseful, because we'll want to know. Yeah,
12: you know, and it's, and it's uh, you know, that is, uh, it's a very, um, well, you know, on the bottom end, two knots of boat speed, you can have one boat just sitting in the water, sailing in displacement mode, and the other person's up and gone and yet race the wind speed by a knot and a half now both boats are up in the out of the water and the guy that got out of the um that popped up on his foil earlier is now minutes slower around the race course it's a very uh, uh unique and different way to develop both.
5: this is karen lyle of salesport talk and we have the commodore of the new york yacht club on the line christopher culver welcome
16: thank you karen that's great to be with you
5: We certainly hope that you have the opportunity to realize your dream of taking that cup back
16: well thanks karen and we're so grateful to be in new zealand in auckland challenging for this uh you know we certainly are the underdogs against the new zealand team they but they've been gracious hosts we look forward to competing there and and seeing everybody that we can see in new zealand
12: Hey, Sports Talk, this is Terry Hutchinson from the New York Yacht Club American Magic. Appreciate all the support that you're giving to our team in our pursuit of the 36th America's Cup.
9: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. And uh, we apologize for the uh, technical glitches. Uh, We're doing our best, and um, most times uh, during this pandemic, we've been able to pull it out without a hitch. So a couple of gremlins here, but salesporttalk.com for another segment. Rick Tittle, Karen Lyle, and Christopher Kane in three different spots. And uh, Christopher Kane, of course, uh, the person who uh, knows uh, the America's Cup like no other. Uh, Christopher, just a little background. What was your first America's Cup when you got hooked? Like for me, the World Cup, 1982, Spain. That's when it kind of hit me how important and how the World Cup was the greatest sporting event on the planet for me. So, when did the what was the America's Cup that grabbed you?
14: Yeah, the America's Cup that grabbed me, and I hate to say this, uh, but is what's when Australia won back the America's Cup, uh, the first challenger ever to take the America's Cup away from the New York Yacht Club. And I I think that that is the moment that grabbed a lot of people because remember you could only have one American defender uh, you have one one defender from the country that won the last America's Cup but the second that we became a challenger that meant anyone could challenge so all of a sudden we had a challenger from San Francisco uh, skippered by a, a legendary Bay Area sailor named Tom Blackaller um, my my first pair of foul weather gear for sailing out in the ocean was a, a pair of blue north sails foul weather gear because that is what tom Blackaller wore and that's really for me when when san francisco not just america got to be in the america's cup but san francisco got to be in the america's cup uh that was incredible and i remember having the the canadian syndicate practicing on san francisco bay you had buddy milgus and the chicago syndicate practicing on san francisco bay and to have the america's cup right in our back door that that's the moment when we all realized god the america's cup in san francisco would just be amazing and at the time it was a it was a big triangle course 26.2 miles in and tom Blackaller figured out you could you could just crowbar an america's cup course into san francisco bay and that's really what took took off for me was was watching these these then twelve meters was was the boats they were racing, but watching the twelve meters out on San Francisco Bay that it was amazing that they, they drag you in they're they're incredible boats and and that was it for me.
13: You know, Christopher, you're a ra- you're a racer, and so you've always. You've always had that racer perspective because you've been out there on the water racing. And I'm a cruiser, so I'm an adventurer. And I <laughs> really wasn't into racing until I was out there on my little 25-foot boat. This was back um, in the the America's Cup that we had recently in um, 2013, I think it was, here in, in San Francisco. And when they were practicing, they used me as a mark to <laughs> to come around. And I saw them within like 100 feet. And I was going, and on speed, and then that then was 35 knots, now we're up to 50, but, you know, the speed of those boats, when my boat's going like five knots, and yeah. and those boats are coming around, and, you know, tacking around around my boat, <laughs> that, that really hooked me, and then I was out there on the water watching every single race, and, and I really got involved in the design, and, and all these things, and I'm not a racer, so it's... You know, it, it kind of it kind of grabbed me and and um, and and just captured my imagination. I think the combination of the design, the skill—I think skill always gets me, gets my attention.
9: Karen, did you say little twenty-five-foot boat? Yes. That sounds pretty big to me. <laughs> <laughs>
13: well, <laughs> Well, now my now my boat is a little thirty six foot boat, and um, you know it it, it um, in comparison to a lot of these well, in comparison to these seventy five foot boats, this is these these are small boats on the water. And also, I'm thinking too that the speed of of the the conventional um, boats that that I might cruise in, you know, we're talking five to seven knots versus fifty plus. <laughs>
14: Her her boat isn't small. It's (laughs) fun-sized.
9: Christopher, what would you say is the most, because, you know, we have it in every sport. We especially get it in golf. We get a lot of things that are just, it's just too much. It's like put the golf ball on the tee and just hit it, it's overthinking it. What would be the one thing in sailing right now you think is just overthinking it or maybe just uh, a little overblown?
14: Uh, well, I mean the one thing the America's Cup is, is notorious for is is lawsuits and spending a lot of time in, in courts and, and happily the last couple of America's Cup. that is That has not been the case. There used to be an old joke uh, that Britannia rules the waves and America waves the rules uh, because we were notorious for, for changing things at the last second. So that for a while was overblown. Um I, I, You know, look, I, I've, I've made my, I wouldn't say displeasure, but my concern about these boats um, made, you know, from day one. And I think part of my concern is one of the things that connects the America's Cup to the greater sailing community is not just it's, it's the pinnacle boats and the, and the pinnacle sailors sailing in the pinnacle race, but it's also the fact that in reality, the America's Cup has historically been a, a technology testbed for things that make the everyday sailor's life easier. So the old boats used to have the rudder attached to the keel. The idea of taking the rudder off the keel and putting it at the back of the boat, that's from the America's Cup. So Karen, when she turns her wheel, she owes an oath of fealty uh, to the America's Cup for separating that. Uh, the idea of a wing keel, which came from the Australian boat that first won the America's Cup, that's on many cruising boats. And thanks to a wing keel you can actually have shallower draft boats that can get into more places. So there's lots of stuff in the America's Cup that distills down into the general sailing community. And I think we've reached the point where with these current boats, there's really nothing in these boats that is useful to any other kind of sailor. And I think we've lost a little bit of that connection to the greater sailing community.
13: I do think, Christopher, though, that they have become more and more appealing to the lay public, you know, because somebody who's not a sailor can see the speed and the interest of these boats in a race and, and, uh, and get it, which is, which is something that, that makes it more accessible to spectators. I think
14: oh, the, the speed is fabulous, but the catamarans had the speed too. So there was no reason to go with, with yet another boat type. Um, I, I just wonder you know it it's okay to be rarefied air but to, but to be completely removed from the rest of the sailing public i think you lose a little bit of that connection at the end of the day as much as we want the americas cup to be exciting for non sailors to, to watch um you you do still need your core audience and and that's people are well, would be they
13: would they wouldn't be interest, christopher if we didn't disagree on something you know <laughs> <laughs> well <good. laughs> And I actually really like this monohull design, and I love innovation. So I'm always interested to see what new thing that someone can come up with, and um, and and I and I like to and I like to see the you, you know what I'd I really like really in the do. America's
14: Cup, Karen. I'd like to see more than four syndicates. And the problem with every time you go to a brand new boat. It's super expensive because there's no historical information. There's no data you can rely on. And every time in the last three America's Cup, we've heard there's going to be seven syndicates, eight syndicates. We wind up with the same four syndicates every time. And I think that's one of the problems with trying to do these crazy new boats every time. So you make it too expensive for new contenders. I want more syndicates. And I think most people... <laughs> well,
13: we, we, all, we almost had Stars and Stripes and we all, almost have had Malta as well. Um, we had three, I guess, that dropped out. So, it was like you said, it was going to be seven, and now it's four. But, you know, $100 million is not something you can just pop out easily for putting up, uh, putting up a team.
14: Yeah. I mean, it's like in the old days of the America's Cup with the 12 meters, you know, the new syndicates would buy the old 12 meters off the, 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 the syndicates from the years before, and you would at least have a trial boat you could start on. There, there was historical context. There was data you knew. The boats behaved in a way that was familiar. And it was easier to, uh, even the last time you know, they were in Australia, off Fremantle, they had two courses running simultaneously. There were so many syndicates. I I miss that. And I think that's one of the downsides to always trying to come up with the latest cool thing is it's just too expensive for anyone else. And, oh, look, it's the same guys again. It's New Zealand. It's Brada. It. I mean, I, I, I think that's the downside to this. And I think, For whoever wins this cup and goes to the next one, they got to settle down with the latest, coolest technology and start thinking about how we can get more syndicates
13: involved. All right. Well, Christopher, you (laughs) go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, go
9: ahead, John.
13: Oh, I was just going to say, Christopher, that um, you've just been at it too long. See, I'm I'm new. I'm new to the cup, relatively. You know, it's been less than ten years for me. So I'm 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 all in, no matter what's happening. Yeah, I'm, anyways, rep- anyways, I'm representing Becky, grumpy old sailors.
14: <laughs>
13: <laughs> right, <laughs> Rick, back
12: to you.
9: Um, so, Christopher, just interested as a sailor, let's say um, a skipper comes up to you and he says, "Look, I'm going to make a go at this." Um, I need crew. I want you. What do you do best, and what should we not put you at on the boat?
14: I should not put me on America's cup boat. Um, I, I've been out of the competitive racing game for years now, and you know where you where you go hunting for America's Cup sailors is is past America's cup, uh, ocean racing, and the Olympics and And that's where you go find go find your crew. Uh, I, I used to be what's called a speed doctor. I, I trimmed the big main. I made the boat go as fast as it possibly could. Um, I've been out of the game for too long to be uh, uh, to be anywhere near an America's Cup boat. I, no, I, no,
9: we, we know you're not getting on. I just want to know what what is the thing you do best, and what is the thing that you know maybe you shouldn't take the helm, or maybe you should. What 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 do you, what could you nail? You think
14: on an America's Cup boat, uh, I'd be a hell of a grinder.
13: <laughs> He'd be the power, you see. I can be the power.
14: Make <laughs> make me provide the power. Have other people intelligently figure out how to use it.
13: You you know, be I think put in the trim.
14: Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, if they were still in monohulls, I'd be like, yeah, put me on the main. Um, uh, on a twelve meter, on an old, you know, AC seventy. Like you can get out. You, know, you actually can can sail on an old America's Cup boat here in San Francisco uh A C seventy six. Uh yeah, put me on a main. I'll make that baby go. On these four-link boats, it's a whole nother ball game.
13: Well it's like a plane. You know, I, I started sailing um uh, I started flying when I was uh when I was just a kid because my, my stepfather um belonged to Pan American Airlines. So that was back in the days when you could get on a plane as a family member and you didn't have to pay anything. And since my dad was living in San Francisco and my my stepdad, you know, was in Okinawa or other places. I got to fly, you know, on cargo planes and all all nice. kinds of, uh, you know. And so I've been fascinated with planes as well as boats. So this, um, you know, this combination where you've got the the wind that flies with the with the, um, you know, with the water element and 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 the wind, you know, where, where it does actually look like a boat even though it is a plane. <laughs> right.
9: Wait, so Karen, you have your own boat, and you get to fly planes for free?
13: Well, not anymore. See, Pan American. Well, she Airlines has to get to her private is, island is no somehow, longer, Rick. Is, is <laughs> no longer. And, and you know, remember, remember, Rick. I am not one of the one of the 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 infinitely wealthy people out there. I am I am just the person with skill who gets to go along for the ride.
9: I know. I'm <laughs> just teasing you. Well, that's Karen Lyle uh, every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time in that first hour. We do a little salesporttalk.com. Make sure to check it out. And once again, we thank our friend Christopher Kane, who is the maniac on the America's Cup. Thanks, Chris.
12: <laughs> Thanks, Rick.
9: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on SportsBuy.
17: Call Quit Drugs
0: 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
1: Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student loan advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free five-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan debt.
3: 800-439-7851 800-439-7851 800-439-7851 800-439-7851
6: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittles mama's face he would clown you.
9: All right. Thank you for that. And uh, so uh I've done the I did the entire hour here on my cell phone and the uh Don't get mad at sports byline. This is definitely on uh, my end. Uh I have uh, no idea what uh I have, uh, what's wrong with my uh headset microphone here. But um, I'm just going to try a full reboot again. I've reset everything. I've gone into my <laughs> task manager. I'm actually, for my age, I'm sure Dominic doesn't believe this, I'm actually pretty good with computers. Uh, so um, I'm just going to try to start everything again. Sometimes everything needs to be reset and then restarted at the same time for some dumb reason. When I worked in television for 10 years, I was actually, actually a technical director, and uh, I know hard to believe Um, but we have an engineer like the late great Mike Schweitzer we had at Sports Byline for a long time, and it's the old O-N-O-F-F method, you know, turn it on, turn it off, and and sometimes that can fix it. So we'll try and get it fixed, but uh, either way, we do have uh, one guest uh, in the second hour. That's Hal Linden. That's right. uh, I think Dominic mentioned it in the open, which I was listening to, and I was talking, and no one could hear me. Hello, does anybody hear me? Mm -hmm. Um, Hal Linden, of course. Uh, Barney Miller. <laughs> that You know, it's funny looking back on that show. When you pitch the idea, it's just cops sitting around a precinct talking. Why would anybody go for that? It's like the show Taxi. So you show people driving around? No, everyone's just sitting there waiting to drive around. <laughs> like, what the hell kind of show is that? Got to have great characters and great writing. All right, so we'll take a quick break and come on back. A couple of more hours
3: on City Lighting Sports.
17: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
15: As the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine started distribution Sunday, a second COVID-19 vaccine by Moderna is likely to gain emergency use Thursday. The data that the Food and Drug Administration is reviewing will include Moderna's 30,000-person clinical study of its vaccine. President Trump Monday said Attorney General Bill Barr will be leaving his job just before Christmas. He will be succeeded on an interim basis by Deputy Jeff Rosen. In the tweet, Trump commented, Just had a very nice meeting with Attorney General Bill Barr at the White House. Our relationship has been a very good one. He has done an outstanding job. As per letter, Bill will be leaving just before Christmas. End quote. The Uber ride-sharing company was fined $59 million on Monday for failing to cooperate with the California Public Utilities Commission on certain sexual assault and harassment claims. The administrative judge last year ordered Uber to answer questions regarding a safety report it released in 2019. USA Radio News.
1: Balance of Nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a
13: time. I had begun to notice after 10 days with Balance of Nature, I felt better, more energetic, and believe me, for me, that's something, because I have energy anyway, but as old as I am, that was really something to start really noticing. You know, we're all responsible for choosing what our attitudes are, but I had a better mental outlook. I mean, I always try to be positive, but there were subtle things in me that I began to notice. I just felt a difference with this. Get a wide
1: variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call one 800 Seven five one, Or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA.
15: California wants in on the United States Justice Department's antitrust lawsuit against Google parent Alphabet Incorporated. California Attorney General Javier Becerra filed the motion to join the case in federal court on Friday. Google's anti-competitive behavior has unlawfully maintained the company's monopoly on internet search at the expense of the consumers. The complaint alleges. The Cleveland baseball team will be changing their name this week.
10: The Cleveland Indians will be changing their nickname. According to a report from the New York Times, the club could announce the change as soon as this week. The franchise has been known as the Indians since 1915, going by the Naps, the Bronchos, and the Blues since their founding in 1901. The change comes more than two years after the club began to distance itself from the Chief Wahoo logo that had been labeled insensitive to indigenous peoples. Cleveland becoming the latest sports team to change a nickname that's been the target of accusations of racism. Washington's NFL franchise announced back in January... It would drop its former moniker. The change will reportedly go into effect for the 2021 MLB season. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki.
15: USA Radio News.
2: At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health. One
3: Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in animals.
2: There's more valuable information at avma.org.
15: Attorney General Bill Barr is stepping down. USA Radio News Dan Rocky has the details.
10: President Trump announced Monday that Attorney General William Barr will be leaving the administration, saying, on Twitter that Barr's last day with the Department of Justice will be December 23rd. Deputy Attorney General Jeff Rosen will become Acting Attorney General after Barr's departure. Former Acting Attorney General Matt Whitaker tells Fox News that Barr has performed exemplary service to his country and addressed President Trump's reported frustrations with his Attorney General.
15: Bill Barr has a career of uh, exemplary public service dating back to the 70s uh, in, in the CIA and then the Department of Justice. And so I think you know Bill Barr is, a, is, is an extraordinary person and has served his country well. Obviously, the president was frustrated at times that he didn't publicly uh, announce certain aspects of investigations but you know that's consistent with DOJ policy at the same time. From the USA Radio News Ohio
10: Bureau, I'm Dan DeRock.
15: Mr. Barr is the 85th United States Attorney General on the job since 2019 and he previously held the job office from 1991 to 93. With the COVID-19 vaccine starting to make its way across the United States this week, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on Monday said that the league will not use its influence to jump ahead in line with the Super Bowl less than two months away. We are not planning any of our personnel being vaccinated in advance of the Super Bowl. ESPN quoted Goodell as saying Goodell spent time Sunday at Tampa, Florida taking in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Minnesota Vikings game at the site of Super Bowl 55 scheduled for February 7th, 2021. For USA Radio News, I'm Lance Pry.
2: For 25 years, people have trusted us for their window replacement needs, and you can, too. Call now to learn about our buy four, get the fifth one free window replacement
0: offer. 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. That's 800-413-6992.
9: Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details.
10: Rick Tittle knows his sports. I hate
9: that
1: guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it.
5: Ricky T in the
2: hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
19: All right, thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the uh, show. Um, did the entire first hour on the phone, and my thanks to Dominic and Karen and Christopher for putting up with me there. Uh, as I said, you know, it's a pandemic, and I'm surprised that we pull this thing off more often than we don't, you know. Uh, and as I said, there's still fail-safes, I still was able to use my... Uh, cell phone there the, the I think the maddening thing is and this isn't good radio but I'll tell you anyway the maddening thing is I have no idea what was why it didn't work it's always cool when you find out hey your microphone was muted or your microphone level was turned all the way down or uh, it, the Skype was not recognizing your headset it was basically three times I rebooted everything I reset my microphone I tried a two different headsets two different headsets and then went back to the original and even said hey we see everything everything's cool but your microphone's not working <laughs> and I'm like what the hell so you go through again is mic on yes mic is on and then at one point I got audio levels and then Dominic still couldn't hear me and then uh third time we tried and then I kept resetting my headphone and then he's like nothing 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 and then right Just a couple minutes ago, I reset my headset for maybe the 20th time, and he's like, I can hear you now. So, um, listen, the budget on my end is zero. In other words, uh, this is all my stuff, and this is not a broadcast studio. It has been an ersatz de facto broadcast studio for the better part of a year now. But uh, anyway, um, just appreciate your patience. Uh, as, uh, and, and like I said, the Skype audio is not gold anyway. But uh, we do have Hal Linden coming up in about a half hour. Tim Tebow is back on the show tomorrow as well. Mr. Met, Mr. Met. Is he going to play for the Mets? I don't know we can talk about it. Uh, big shout out to our troops listening on the American Forces Radio Network. You're the ones that allow us to do this. I hope you're doing well. Stay safe. Come home soon. We're on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app. Uh, Also, sportsbyline.com as we stream along. And the email, Rick, at sportsbyline.com. Come on back for open lines.
8: Professional painters know waiting between coats for trim doors and cabinets to dry is time out of your day and money out of your pocket bare premium cabinet and trim enamel from the home depot lets you finish faster with excellent flow and leveling it dries to the touch in one hour and less dry time means less downtime bare premium cabinet and trim enamel just 39.98 a gallon and that's before the pro extra discount only at the home depot how doers get more done available in store and online Sales are rising
4: quickly, but without another lead baker, Dale's Bakery is going to feel the heat.
11: Hey, you're baking alone today. I have to handle this order for the restaurant down the street. Cool, but who's going to handle the pastries?
4: He needs to hire. I need Indeed. Indeed, you do. The moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Indeed delivers two and a half times more hires than the other branded job sites combined, according to Breezy HR 2019. Visit indeed.com credit and get a $75 credit for your first job post. Terms and conditions apply.
7: And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov/sunscreen for
6: more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration.
19: Check out Rick Tittle. What's going on? Great to have you with us wherever you're listening, all over the planet Earth, especially those of you listening on American Forces Radio Network. Very excited to have you uh, with us. <clears throat> Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, National Guard, all that great stuff. Um, yesterday, getting news that the Pac-12 championship will be between USC and Oregon because Washington, who deserved to go, does not have enough scholarship players. Of They don't have 53 scholarship players because of COVID-19. And they didn't go to Colorado with the next best record because they're also in the South with USC, so they're going to go to Oregon, who've lost two games in a row, one to Oregon State and one to Cal. But as much as it gets to be kind of a joke uh, at this point, Um, And you look at teams like Stanford has already said, don't invite us to a bowl game because we're just not going. So today we heard news that yet another bowl game has been canceled. That's the Frisco Bowl. Where's that? Candlestick? Candlestick doesn't exist anymore, and we don't say Frisco. Frisco, Texas. Here are the ones that have now been canceled. Along with Frisco, 10 others. The Red Box Bowl, Hawaii, Bahamas Bowl, Holiday Bowl, oh, Quick Lane, Pinstripe. Quick Lane, I think, is the oil change one. Pinstripes, when they play at Yankee Stadium. The Sun Bowl, right there at UTEP. The Fenway Bowl, which is played at Wrigley Field. What's that? Oh, Fenway Park. The Celebration Bowl. Woo hoo! the Las Vegas Bowl, and the Los Angeles Bowl. I have no idea what the Los Angeles Bowl is outside of the fact they're probably going to play in that brand new stadium that Stan Kroenke built. So what do we have? Do we have teams that have committed? Absolutely. Let me just tell you how it's it's all going to start. And it's going to start... On December 21st. But here are the teams that are going to be uh, committed. Let's go to the first responderable University of Texas San Antonio, still waiting to see who they're going to play. It's going to be someone from the ACC or the Big 12. The Lending Tree Bowl, first responder bowl in Dallas, Lending Tree Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, Western Kentucky and Georgia State, New Mexico Bowl, which will be played in Arkansas. No, Albuquerque, Houston and Hawaii, Boca Raton Bowl, UCF and BYU, Montgomery, Alabama Bowl, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, New Orleans Bowl, Georgia Georgia Southern and L.A. Tech, the Idaho Potato Bowl. Tulane and Nevada-Reno, Myrtle Beach Bowl, (laughs) North Texas and Appalachian State, Um, and then other bowl games, the Outback is still waiting, the Gator Bowl is waiting, the Citrus Bowl is waiting, so is the Birmingham Bowl, the Texas Bowl, the Liberty Bowl, uh, the Arizona Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, Music City Duke's Mayo Bowl in Charlotte, North Carolina. I've never heard of Duke's Mayo. I'm a Hellman's man with... Help. No, no. Duke's Mayo... What do I do? Oh, uh, I forgot the name. It's going to say Bitter Homes and Garden. Alamo Bowl, Cheez-It Bowl, the Military Bowl, Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Army has committed to the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, Louisiana. They don't know who they're going to play. Um... And then the Lending Tree Bowl is Georgia State and Western Kentucky. The bowl selection committee, <clears throat> um, which of course are the big bowls that are not the playoffs. Uh, playoffs. This will be December 30th. The Cotton Bowl is waiting. The Peach Bowl on New Year's Day waiting. The Fiesta Bowl is waiting, and the Orange Bowl on January 2nd is waiting as of course are the playoffs the playoff playoffs this year the will be on uh, new year's day as it should at the rose bowl and the sugar bowl and then the national championship will take place in miami on january 11th and i just wonder as we are i wonder wonder who wrote the book of i just wonder as we get closer how many of these schools will figure out that perhaps um, they're not going to have as many uh, players that they thought they were going to have. And we don't know. Speaking of college football, if you uh, didn't see it a couple days ago, Auburn has fired Gus Malzahn. It was one day after they beat Mississippi State. So vacancy on the plains, as they call it. It's one of the most high-profile open jobs right now in college football. But remember when Auburn won a national championship 10 years ago under Gene Chizik and Cam Newton? That was uh, it. Was supposed to be Turner Gill, the head coach, and he was up there at the University of uh, Buffalo, and uh, he coached Khalil Mack, and Charles Barkley campaigned openly saying, we need a black coach, we need a black coach, and they hired Gene Chizik, and Charles Barkley said, I'll never support a- Auburn again, and then they won the national championship. Well, Gene Chizik came with an eyelash of doing it again three years later against Florida State. Um, but uh, look, when you're at Auburn, it uh, <clears throat> doesn't matter what you do when Alabama is dominating the world. But I would... Look at, uh, you know, I try to put these in car terms. I would look at the uh, Auburn job as a Ferrari with no gas in the tank. You just got to find a way to fill it up. And we've already had room. Oh, this is, these are multi millionaire jobs. Mario Cristobal at Oregon, he took over the Ducks after Willie Taggart left for Florida State, and his Ducks went 12 and 2, won the Pac 12 championship, beat Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl. Finished five in the country last year um, and then landed on his feet when Saban and the Alabama program uh, has evolved for him. Billy Napier at uh, Louisiana, he's been in charge of the Raging Cajuns for last three seasons and going to lead them into the Sun Belt Championship game against Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina still is <laughs> that team out there undefeated. It's like, what about us? Bill Clark at the University of Alabama, Birmingham, and uh, this is a guy who's done very well there uh, and uh, a guy who had connections with Alabama for six years. And some of the other names out there, uh, Jamie Chadwell, Coastal Carolina, obviously making a name for himself, wants to move up. Kevin Steele is the defensive coordinator at Auburn right now. Brent Venables, the Clemson defensive coordinator. And the Alabama offensive coordinator, Lane Kiffin, no, Steve Sarkeesian. Remember, Steve Sarkeesian is the guy who sued the state of California for firing him because he said he was fired because he had a disease, and the disease was being drunk. And there was one too many booster things, one where he got up on a table, according to reports, and started swearing and and falling down, slurring his words, and he got fired. And he sued because he has a disease. Okay, And the other one, Hugh Freeze at Liberty. This guy is one of the hottest names out there. And uh, it's a good name, too. (laughs) The Hugh Freeze era. All right, a little college football talk. Uh, Open lines on the other side. 1-800-87-A-PLAY. Come on back.
0: That's 800-410-4771. Matthew. Uh, Oh,
13: sorry. It's okay.
10: I just need you to listen to me.
11: I know that a lot of times, Mom, it might not seem like I'm listening to you, but I am. I hear you. And what you say really does matter to me.
6: I mean, let's be honest. No kid likes rules, but I get why we have them. I hear you, and I know it's because you care. All the talks we've had over
18: the years
17: For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Wait!
3: She must have meant 10 o'clock at night. Do you think? Why would she have you meet her in a bar at 10 in the
17: morning? I just figured she was a raging alcoholic. (laughs) ¶¶
6: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
19: Goodness gracious, what is that all about? one 800 a play Um, A lot of times uh, when uh, my teams are bad, I look at the draft maybe a little bit too much, mock drafts, and I have not looked at the NFL draft in probably a month. And now that I know that uh, my Rays are about to uh, begin to stinky stink. Um, i a little more interested, and they have to draft, I think, the best uh, defensive end in the draft, or as the kids would say, edge rusher. They are an absolute laughingstock when it comes to getting pressure on the other quarterback, you can just stand back there, and I don't care if you have, um, you know, five All Pros in the defensive backfield playing in the nickel. You you can't you can't guard a guy um, more than a few seconds. He knows where he's going. You don't. These guys are track stars. Literally, they know where you're going. You don't. You're running backwards. You can't run possibly as fast. It's it's not easy. And it's funny, speaking of corners, Al Davis and John Madden's book, One Knee Equals Two Feet, which was written in the 80s when I read it. uh, John Madden always said the most important part of a team is the offensive line. That's the first thing you have to get. And Al Davis said, no, you have to get cornerbacks. That's how much Al put into corners. There's no doubt in my mind, to me, the best athlete on the field is a corner because of what I just mentioned. But anyway, let's get to the phone lines. And we got our main man, Charlie, in New York City. What's up, Charlie?
16: Rick, how are you? Um, I assume you watched most of, if not all, of the game last night? Uh,
19: not all of it. I watched the last 10 minutes.
16: Okay. Okay. Well, uh you may have. See, I, I don't, uh, time-wise. 34-20, Cleveland scored a touchdown to make it 34-26, and then they went for two points as opposed to going for one. And, yeah. and the, uh, what the announcer says, uh, uh, analytically, they say that's the, the correct move. That, because if you go for two points twice, you have a better chance of getting it once. It didn't make sense to me. So was that the, I don't know, did did that make sense to you, what they did? To me,
19: if you are going to go for two to get up by three instead of being up by two, it makes sense. But unfortunately, Charlie, we live in this world now where these statisticians have taken over. And they basically say, to the most part, is get all the points you can, every opportunity. So this is why you will see games, literally, in the second quarter, 0 a team gets down fourth and one, and they try to get a touchdown. And this is right. a scoreless game in the second quarter when any type of person who's not a madman would say, take the three points and the lead. But now these kids today, I'm telling you, these millennials, Charlie, they're really saying, no, 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 no. You have to go for a touchdown every chance you can, which I think is stupid.
16: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I told, because, you know, I, I mean, the Ravens winning hurt our, our Raiders' chances. And, I mean, this is this is on the assumption the Raiders can win three in a row. <laughs> but assuming <laughs> they win, which is not likely. Right. But, you know, and I'm, I'm rooting for Cleveland because we needed the Ravens to lose. And they I'm they like, what are you doing going for two? If you don't get two, you're going to have to get two. And, and, and luckily they got it, and they wound up losing anyway. I, right. I just I just threw me off. Anyway, uh, w- w- one thing reg- regarding the Raiders, there was chatter yesterday that and I wanted to get your opinion on this that uh, Wade Phillips was uh, lobbying or expressing an interest in the coordinating job for next year and beyond. He's uh he's uh, I-, I don't like to call him a retread. He's an older coach. He's he's the I don't know why the Rams let him go. Uh, but historically, or his career, he's always had a pretty decent defense. He he runs, if I'm not mistaken, the three four. Um, but going into next year and beyond, would you, as a Raider fan, like to see them come bring in some young guns, some up and comer, or would you? What's your opinion on Wade Phillips as a as a potential?
19: I will I will go to the Ford dealership and buy a F150 pickup and go pick up Wade Phillips right now. Uh, and sign him to a ten-year contract. I'd Give much rather thing. have a. Guy, I would much rather have a guy who knows what the hell he's doing, than some uh, you know schmuck like Gunther or Bresnahan or some up-and-comer Tarver. like Jason Tarver. <laughs>
16: yeah, your buddy Tarver.
19: Um, yeah, I would. Yeah. He was the worst ever. But I would, yeah, I would love, love, love to have Wade Phillips. He's been a head coach as well, and yeah, he's a hundred years old. But I don't care; he knows what the hell he's doing.
16: Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I would love to see because he he would he would whip that defense into shape, and and mm-hmm. I think the way this team is built, you know, yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I just want to plus I had him ahead. on
19: my show last year when he wrote the book about his dad. So me and him are pretty tight.
16: I'll give him a when <laughs> you can go play shuffleboard with him next. So, uh, well, 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 one, One last question: Why did the Rams let him go?
19: You know what it he, is 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 exactly what you said. You know, here you have Sean McVay who barely can shave, and then you have this dinosaur guy. It's just, you know, it, it's like, why do we make people retire when they're sixty two when they might be hitting their prime? It's just because they look old, and you you want to you out with the old, in with the new.
16: No, yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I would chip in for that uh, pickup truck. You were gonna, uh, I would throw in a few bucks <laughs> again. Anyway, Rick, I just, uh, that's all I got, buddy. I'll keep listening. Thank you.
19: Thank you for the call, Charlie. One 878 play. There have been many times when, uh, over the years, the Raiders have searched for a defensive coordinator, and I see a name and, you know, an accomplished guy, and I think, why not him? Like when Smith was let go by Atlanta and I really wanted Vic Fangio and when he left the Niners, he was all PO'd cause Tom Sula became head coach instead of him. And he got passed over a few times for head coach. I thought Vic Fangio was a fantastic defensive coordinator. Not so good a head coach, but it's like, you know, there are certain guys out there that are good coordinators. You know, it's the old Norv Turner situation who was head coach of the Raiders team. Um, But just look at Norv Turner's offense with Dallas. You know, there's just certain guys who are better coordinators than others. Uh, You know, Dennis Allen. And he's no genius, but you get the idea. It's like certain guys are better position coaches like Tom Cable, you know, good offensive line coach, not so good as a head coach. But yeah, the, it always seemed like whoever they were going to get was some kind of schmuck. And, when they hired Jack Del Rio, he had just won the Super Bowl as a defense coordinator with Denver, was at that game, left early because I didn't want to see them celebrate. They're like, the first bus is going back to Moscone uh, five minutes before the end of the game. I go, yeah, I'll be on that bus. They go, don't you want to go in the locker room for the champagne? And I'm like, I said, I'll be on the bus. (laughs) Spoiled brat, that's right. I always feel sorry for people who have, like, they're on a deadline. Like, I have to get the story. I have to get the quote. Like, you can look on Twitter and get the quote from somebody else. But we thought, oh, Jack Del Rio's coming to Oakland. He was such a good defensive coordinator. And, and you know, he he wasn't a huge hit with Jacksonville. But, you know, he still, he brought in the stump, was started chopping wood, and the punter hit himself in the knee with the ax. That's another one. That's a great one. But you think, oh, and then who did he bring in? He brought in the Seattle linebacker coach, Ken Norton Jr., who was a great player, Dallas, San Francisco. And I remember when the Raider defense started going down the tubes, and I asked Del Rio after a really bad loss where they gave up a lot of points, and I said, how much input during the game do you have to the defensive scheme? And he said, Kenny calls the defense. I said, so you have no input in the defense? And he said, Kenny calls the defense. And I just wanted to say, you know, you're right. He's the coordinator, but you're the damn head coach. You know, If, if you don't like what we're seeing, you walk over to him. And I don't care if you're a defensive coach like Bill Belichick. If you don't like what Josh McDaniels is saying, you go over and go, hey, dumbass, run the football. Why are you throwing it? Will you eat up some clock? Do not throw until third down or you're fired. I mean, you can do that. You're the head coach. Can Kenny call the point. So, yeah, look, first of all, you need the horses. I don't care if you get Vince Lombardi out there. I don't know if he could do anything with this Raider defense. Seriously. But. Yeah, if Wade Phillips wants the job, um, I will go get his ass. And why a truck? Because he's a country boy. He's only getting in a pickup truck. All right, Hal Linden on the other side. We'll ask him about fish and wojo. Come on back.
8: professional painters know waiting between coats for trim doors and cabinets to dry is time out of your day and money out of your pocket bare premium cabinet and trim enamel from the home depot lets you finish faster with excellent flow and leveling it dries to the touch in one hour and less dry time means less downtime bare premium cabinet and trim enamel just 39.98 a gallon and that's before the pro extra discount only at the home depot how doers get more done available in store and online Do you have valuable collectibles
3: and worry what will happen if they're stolen? Wax Insurance is a mobile app that allows collectors to take care of all their insurance needs. Whether you collect watches, sports memorabilia, wine, fine art, you name it, Wax makes insuring what you care about incredibly easy. To get an immediate quote, download the Wax Insurance app and use promo code INSURE. Then take a picture of your item and provide some basic information. That's it. No extensive paperwork or need for third-party appraisals. Download the Wax Insurance app and use promo code INSURE today it doesn't
10: really matter I uh I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm
2: gonna go anymore
18: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between
6: dogs and lightning.
19: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show an icon of American uh, entertainment, Hal Linden, is with us. And he is here to talk about uh, a, a show he's going to be uh, hosting uh, called A Country Christmas Carol. It's uh, from the musical. It's going to be this. Um, it's going to be on the 19th at uh, seven o'clock, and uh, this is going to be two days before the uh, show's cast album is going to be released on the 21st as well. In this show, Terrence Mann, by the way, will be uh, narrating. Hal, welcome to the show, and I think a lot of people. Um, you know, especially me, I I grew up, I was born in the 60s and grew up in the 70s. So I watched all the the Barney Millers. Um, We don't know that you are a very accomplished Broadway guy. In fact, didn't you have to leave the Broadway stage to take Barney Miller, which at the time seemed kind of like a bad idea, right?
20: Uh, Well, it was a a major decision I had to make. I, I actually did the pilot uh, while I was doing a Broadway show, I, I had two, uh, it was in my contract that I could do the pilot. Uh, and when I did the pilot, came back, and the pilot, the original pilot of Barney Miller did not sell. So, uh, uh, I thought it was all over, and about six months later, the producer called me, and said he got a, a deal to do two more, could I do it? But at this time, I was just about to start a new Broadway musical. And uh, and I had to make my mind up as to whether I was going to stay in New York or go out to or turn my back on it and go go out to California. And uh, it, I must say the decision was made quite cavalierly, considering <laughs> uh, the results. I said uh, I remember sitting in my uh, manager's office and. He said, i got, I got to tell this Broadway producer. She has I to know. And uh, so I said, well, listen, we, we, we've we done Broadway. Let's try television. It was that cavalier.
19: Well, obviously it was a uh, great decision. <laughs> and I think about the iconic characters and Wojo and Fish and Nick and Arthur, or Carl, Liz. The list goes on and on. Such a great cast as well and at those times as we know we had three or four channels so the whole country was watching that show how
20: three three channels and it was not a top 10 show it was a very popular show it took a little while to catch on but it was a very popular show but it was never top 10 it was never uh wow uh, it was just maybe it was too sophisticated for top 10 uh, but we we hung on for seven, eight seasons, and the interesting part about I find it, that uh... the interesting part about it is I had to I had to look at a few of them because I was making a a clip reel, and I was amazed at how relevant it was to today. All the subjects huh. that we that were picked up on on the show. You could take them right out of today's newspaper.
19: And what's funny is at the time, um, you know, I'm out here in the Bay Area, and, and I didn't know it really what Greenwich Village was. And you're over there on, supposed to be on East 6th.
20: So um,
19: we, there's a big we were, difference between we the were West really, Village and the East Village.
20: We were really in California, but uh, and I don't think <laughs> they knew what the Greenwich Village was like either. <laughs> One more question
19: about that. You know, I think on paper, it's kind of like Taxi. You know, like we're going to do a show about people sitting around waiting to get called to drive a taxi. Or we're going to do a show that's just in the precinct. That doesn't sound good on paper. The writing and the characters have to be so spot on for that to work. Because in a way, it was kind of like a stage play, wasn't it?
20: Uh, the, The concept of a gang comedy is uh, has a long history in in uh, television there were I, I i can't tell you how many shows about bars where the, the people came into the bar and you had the bartender and it didn't work until cheers about four of them flopped <laughs> before that there was a gang comedy in a in a in a prison gang uh, Every hairdresser in California has a, an idea for a show. The, the, what makes it work is the execution. you got to have the writers... Um, Barney, I'm sure Barney, Barney wasn't the first precinct gang comedy, but it was the, probably the best written. So that's why it, it survived.
19: Yeah, the only gang comedy in a prison that worked, you had to put it in a stall log, probably Hogan's Heroes, huh?
20: Well, there was another one uh, when Barney was on, I think, uh, or it it never got on, but they tried again. There's nothing, you know, specific about... uh, A gang comedy is a gang comedy. It's where it it, uh, takes place, you know, affect a lot of jokes, but it's still got to be written. If it's not well-written and well-executed, I don't care how great the idea is.
19: No doubt about it. A couple more questions for Hal Linden. Let's talk about this uh, show you're going to be hosting here, and it's going to be available on Audio Stages, WBAI 99.5, December 19th at 7 p.m. A Country Christmas Carol, the musical. Tell us a little little bit more about what you're going to be doing here, Hal.
20: Well, I'm actually. I did the. Uh, I just did. I just hosted it, and uh, I kind of introduced it. Mm-hmm. I I also did. The, the, mm-hmm. I also did a few lines in the show. I did uh, uh, Marley's ghost. Uh, Christmas Carol is an interesting uh, project it, by itself when you think about it. There are so many different versions of Christmas Carol. Uh, uh, Musicals, straight plays, I did one, uh, I did the Madison Square Garden version of it back in the 90s, Uh, and I also did a strange version of A Christmas Carol uh, about the actors playing A Christmas Carol that was theatrically uh, themed, that is, it was about a cast including the actor playing Scrooge uh a uh, uh, bitter has been once a star but now playing little theaters and doing and very bitter about it and uh and and he's visited instead of by Marley by his old agent that he walked out on and and it's uh the usher of christmas past and the stage manager of Christmas present and the critic of Christmas to come so it's uh, there are so many different interesting versions of, of telling the same story and here's one that's a country Christmas Carol so uh, it should be of, of interest
19: you know it's interesting too in England they have Christmas pantomime where the audience participates. And I've been in England and I saw one of those. Have you ever had kind of a panto type of show where the audience is throwing things at you on stage?
20: (laughs) Not intentionally, but (laughs) (laughs) no, I've I've never been, I never had anything thrown at me on the stage. Thank you. I mean, I've done a lot on the stage, but (laughs) I've avoided that. (laughs) Mercifully.
19: Um, Last year, I had Ed Asner on the show, and is it naive of me to lump you two guys together because of course his great shows Mary Tyler Moore and um of course Lou Grant, do you and Ed know each other?
20: We're poker buddies ah oh. we play a very low sorry. low class poker game uh, Yes, I know Ed very well, yeah. And we're, so in we're your both time getting months, old. You're both what? Getting old, I'm afraid.
19: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, you're still going strong. I just wanted to ask you one more question, and that is, when you were on Broadway and singing and dancing, which one do you like better than the other, singing and dancing?
20: Singing or dancing, you mean? <laughs> <I've>... Yeah.
19: Yeah. <laughs> Or that's the question.
20: I was never a, a great dancer. Let's put it that way. I mean, I was a the the actor who could move well enough to to do a to do a musical number. But I was never a. I mean, I taken dance classes, but I, I wouldn't ever call, call myself a professional dancer. Hardly. Uh, you do what you have to do. I remember. <laughs> I did. A, Talking about dancing. I did a uh, uh, revival of Pajama Game on Broadway, and it was a very low-budget uh, production. And uh, the song, There Once Was a Man, I ended up running across the stage and doing a knee slide. <laughs> that was the end of it. I could do a knee slide. And that was that was my, and that was that, that was terrific. Except they came, they came to me and they said, "Listen, you're, we got to buy you a new pair of pants every three days because I was destroying the pants." So we took the knee slide out. I said, I, I, "But can I do it opening night?" <laughs> I ended up doing the knee slide, but they took it out. because I was ruining my pants. Very good. We want to make
19: sure that no one misses Audio Stage's presentation of A Christmas Carol on air. That's Saturday, December 19th, 7 p.m. Eastern. WBAI 99.5. Sorry, huh?
20: A country Christmas
12: carol.
19: A Country Christmas Carol. Yes. You're absolutely right. Man, I got to speak right. A Country Christmas Carol on air, Saturday, December 19th, 2020. WAI um, 99.5 FM, or you can go to WBAI.org or A Country Christmas We've been speaking with a great Hal Linden. Hal, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we really appreciate your time, and a, happy holidays to you. A
20: pleasure, and a happy holiday to you.
19: All right, I'm Rick Tittle, and uh, we'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Planner.
15: save money on your next flight then pick up the phone and call that's right call because the best prices are not online they're with smart fares see smart fares has special deals with the airlines when they have unsold seats they use smart fares to fill them so you get airline tickets at ridiculously low prices our prices are too low to publish online with the extra money you'll save you can book another trip or treat yourself to dinner or shopping
0: 855 325 1780. That's 855 325 1780.
17: I don't even recognize myself anymore. I'm really worried about him.
18: His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
17: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I, I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I just want to tell him
18: it's not your fault.
0: Call Quit Drugs 321 now at 800 338 6906. 800 338 6906. That's 800 338 6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
1: Do you owe $10,000 or more on at least two federal student loans? then you may qualify for new programs offered by the Department of Education. These programs can reduce your interest, lower your payments, and possibly qualify you for loan forgiveness. If you have $10,000 or more and at least two federal student loans, and currently not in school, you may qualify for one of these programs. Call now to check your eligibility. Student loan advisors are standing by to help you determine if you qualify for these new programs. They can help you reduce your interest, lower your payment, and even forgive a portion of your student loan debt. Take control of your financial future. Make this free 5-minute free call now to Nationwide Student Loans and learn how you can reduce your student loan
3: debt. 800-439-7851. 800-439-7851. 800-439-7851. 800-439-7851. I joined the army because my father and my brother were in the army. I thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
0: Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more.
3: There was one?
1: Tittle always goes commando.
19: Thank you for that. And uh, with one Sham Sharania tweet, a lot of NBA dreams have been crushed outside of Milwaukee because the Greek freak is going to be staying for five additional years. He has signed his Supermax extension, $228.2 million, the largest deal in NBA history. Two time MVP. Um, a lot of crushed fans in Chicago. Bulls fans, not just because he's not going to them, but they say there's no hope for us getting through the East uh, while he's there. So it's over for us. Um, Antecuopo just tweeted out in the last half hour, this is my home. This is my city. I'm blessed to be able to be a part of the Milwaukee Bucks for the next five years. Let's make these years count. The show goes on. Let's get it. Well, you know what? This is good news. I think. Now, the Warriors had a chance for them, but still, this is good news because this is the way the NBA is supposed to work. The New Orleans Pelicans are supposed to be one of the best young teams in basketball because they were going to have Anthony Davis and they were going to have Zion Williamson. But Anthony, Anthony Davis left. You're supposed to be able to keep that guy by offering the most money possible. Now, I'm not saying that Anthony Davis is evil or whatever, but he cried his way out of town to play with LeBron, and now he has a ring. He won. Everything he did was right for him, correct? But when you're a team in the hinterlands, like the Milwaukee Bucks, and you get a guy like Antetokounmpo, two-time MVP, what does he usually do? He goes to New York or L.A., or even at one point, he would maybe go to the Warriors. So, I'm happy that a little team was able. Now they ponied up huge, more than any other team could. But this is the way the NBA is supposed to work. You're supposed to keep that guy and build around him. So he's going to be in with the Bucks. I'm Rick Tittle. We have another hour. Come on back.